welcome to As You Go. And my name is Mark, and I'm here with my good friend, my co-anchor, the magnificent Jeremiah. And he is uh, he is ready to go. Jeremiah, how are you doing this morning? I am doing good, man. Um, I'm very sad because I actually ran out of coffee. But outside of that, I'm doing good. Oh, no. Yeah, you uh, you look like you ran out of coffee. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I, listen, I, I feel like I did. I, I rarely do. So this is a big deal, but it's okay. <laughs> man, do, do you have some on order right now or do you just need to go to the store? Or? No, I don't. I, I don't have any on order. I drink mine too fast for this month. Um, and so I've got to grind it out for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, well. We're uh, we're excited to be here this morning as we are going to be jumping into part two of uh, things we didn't learn in school. And as me and Jeremiah have been talking about this, it's been like there could probably be three to four parts to this. And so we're just starting with the part two. And as we're we're going through this, we still just want to make sure that anybody that listened to this, if they're been someone that's poured in our life through school, we're thankful for you. We're appreciative of you, and it's been it's been good. Um, but before we get in, Jeremiah, I just want to say, is there is is life life good for you right now? Anything new happening? You know, nothing super new since we last jumped on. Um, yeah, yeah, just um, you know, we're getting. I know, you know, being in kids ministry, we're the uh, school year starting, and so that also means people kind of get back into the routine of church. And so it's, it's been a fun time um, with church and, and then um, me and my wife were, Oh gosh, we're, we're kind of preparing. Um, we kind of plan ahead of time for trips, but we're going to be going for our anniversary in the, you know, a little, almost a month, I guess, uh, to, um, a, you know, a really nice, like, kind of play like lake and stuff that has like a really nice river so we do some fly fishing and all that so we're just kind of excited about that but what about you man that's great before i get in did i hear fly fishing you're really getting into that aren't you dude i am i am i, I really am i haven't um I'm, I'm still in the process of like ordering all the stuff for it um but yes dude i love it it's fun it's really fun so um yeah Dude, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so not not too much has happened. I mean, I mean, the sad thing since we were last on here, I guess that has happened is I have turned my official twenty nine, and this is my last year of my twenties, and so that's a little sobering. Of, yeah. mm, you know, I'm it's starting to feel like like I can say I'm close to close to thirty, and and then next year at this point I'll. 30 and that's just gonna be a different feeling i think um one of the passions i'm getting into right now it's actually a um i'm picking up the passion again is backpacking mm. and so this has been something fun for me i've i've recently with uh with some birthday money um been able to purchase some stuff and uh it's been fun just I've, i feel like i've been like a little boy at a candy store or like a little boy um, waiting to get his toys as I see Amazon packages and backcountry packages coming through. And I'm just sitting at the door waiting, trying testing them out in my living room. And yeah, so that's a bit of kind of a fun little thing that I'm getting back into. I actually have a trip planned here in April 
to go down to Texas, my brother, my dad, and another guy, we are going to be backpacking actually in Arkansas, Hmm. um, base of Arkansas. And we're thinking about doing, um, it's not quite in the Ozarks, I don't think, but, but it's in the, well, it might be in the Ozarks, but we're we're still kind of basing out what we want to do, mm-hmm. but we're looking at doing like a three day, two to three day backpacking trip. So pretty, pretty extensive. I think like 30 miles is what we're looking to do. So. Wow. That's awesome. Very cool, yeah. man. Um, and Arkansas yeah. is just beautiful. I mean, you know, it's very hard to beat. Um, it's actually the first place I went fly fishing at. So, um, and then, um, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. So that's this kind of um, new thing me. And then also just, I, for those of you who don't know, um, probably wouldn't know actually the first time, but I like to, I like to hunt. And so I pulled an elk tag this year and um, prepping for October, uh, doing a lot of prep and reading. I've never hunted an elk before. Um, so I've got a friend that is helping me with that. A couple buddies. So how dare you uh, kill? How dare you kill animals? Gosh, giant uh, That's awesome. I, that's, that's really cool, bro. That's so you cool. know, and I and I can't even really make you know make the crack that like, well, what did you eat last night? Because I'm guessing you just had vegetables, you know. <laughs> yeah, you see, you know, I'm just so much better than you because of that. I'm juggernaut. That's awesome. I'm so <laughs> that's so cool, bro. Um, elk has got to be a, a fun hunt I, I mean i've i've hunted deer before um and it was really it was really fun i mean but you know a lot of waiting you know kind of um but i i mean elk must be must be a fun time so that's awesome man yeah a lot of, a lot of hiking involved a lot of miles you'll put on unless you just happen to be where the herd is and um yeah so i'm excited um for this opportunity but yeah man but hey um Going back to, you know, if I can transition back to where we are, what we're talking about today is that we are going into things we didn't learn in school. And as I was thinking about this, is there any anything that um, you wanted specifically to talk about today? I know um, we kind of went over like maybe some volunteers or something like that. But um, well, Jeremiah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, I. I think this is this is an interesting one because I you know both of us we graduated and we got into um what you would call next gen ministry right like you're um in youth ministry I'm in kids ministry um throughout college I worked in youth ministry um and um I, I think what we've noticed is that obviously one of the biggest parts if not the biggest part of being in youth or kids ministry is um you know, are two things, parents and volunteers. Um, and um, I know, you know, both are super important, right? Like, I mean, ultimately, I know I always say this with kids ministries, like we get one hour a week with um, people's kids and um, parents, they get a whole week with their kids. Very different. Parents are always going to be the biggest spiritual influence on their kids um, whether for good or for bad, it, it could be, it could be the biggest lack of spiritual influence, but it's still an influence. Right. And, um, and then, you know, on the other end, you have, um, 
the volunteer side of things, um, you know, with, you know, I mean, if you're going to have a healthy um, youth or kids ministry, especially in a church where you have more than one kid or youth, you need volunteers. You need people that can um, pour into those those students, uh, people that can help, um, you know, make it happen. And, um, you know, and I think there's a lot of ways where volunteer, um, you know, volunteer volunteers can go really well. Um, and then there's a lot of ways where it can go really badly. And what I mean by that is um, they could be trained really well, or you could just not train them. Um, or they could um, have really good balance and they could feel like they could say no and they could feel like they could tell you when maybe something's not good. Um, or you've created a culture where um, they can't tell you when something isn't good or, um, you know, it's not a good culture um, or they don't feel like they can say no and they're overworked and they're burnt out. Like there it is. There's such a big spectrum on how volunteers can feel um, because it's an important issue. And we see throughout, you know, if you read the news about different churches, it oftentimes, you know, what you'll find is, you know, in scandals, it's um, volunteers being mistreated, um, you know, and that's, that's the reality. Um, it's, it's important stuff. And the parent stuff is important too, because again, man, parents, I, you know, Mark, you're a parent, I'm not, but I know that parents, they need people that can come alongside them and just be friends to them, can give resources, can pastor them. Um, and oftentimes I think we just think, oh, parents are giving us their kids to disciple. It's like, mm, yes and no. We're we're given we're given families to disciple. It's not just it's not just kids, it's not just students, it's families. And so how do we do that? And so I think, you know, in open um you know, when it comes to our, you know, education, um, I would say that I, I didn't, we, I, I wouldn't say that we heard much about this at all. Um, you know, uh, and I, and I don't think that that's out of the normal either. Like, I think in many cases, you're not going to hear that in like an academic setting. <laughs> Um, and, and I think there are reasons for that. We can discuss that. But yeah, no, I think it's really important, man. Um, we've got to figure this stuff out um, because, again, you know, a lot of things are changing in our culture. But, dude, what do you think? You know, I want to there's so much you said there that was so good, Jeremiah, and especially helping us orient into this topic. Let's. Uh, I want to start off with parents here and then I want to get your thoughts, recollections on this. But one of the things. Um, that I felt in school that I would, I didn't, at least I didn't cover. And I got a degree in pastoral ministry. Um, there are some youth majors where we went, but none of us were really in the youth major part of um, mm. the degree, which I can't speak on that behalf. But one of the things is um, connecting with parents and what that looks like and your methods of connecting with parents. So I actually accidentally started a method um, and maybe method's not the best word here, but my mind isn't uh, finding another word, but, um, or way, just a way in general to connect with parents. That could be via text. That could be via, um, I know some that do a phone call um, or it could be email. And I actually was encouraged by this, uh, this guy that was, 
coming down. Um, he's from a, a bigger church um, up in South Dakota, and he would come down and he'd pour into ministry students and see if they wanted to join the residency program. And he, I asked him, I was like, hey, what would you do to disciple families? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what, I would create an email system, call it Table Talk, and I am going to uh, put reflective questions from the Wednesday night message. And I'm like, I'm doing it. So get into ministry about five months later than that. Start this off. And what happened is parents didn't jump right on board with me. But what I did end up doing is that's how now parents look for me to communicate to them is via email. And so I created this accidental connection through email, which, you know, you can got to know your context if that works. I think a lot of cultures today are really pushing for that text message really than an email. Because what do you look at? I mean, if you looked at your email right now, how much junk do you have? Mm. Oh, and and you're going to miss that. And I think really people are responding better off text. Now you do have email off your phone, which has been extremely helpful, but that was one of the things of connecting with parents. And the, the second thing, uh, actually, Jeremiah, do you have anything to say just on, on the connecting with parents? Because that's that first part of coming along families to disciple, disciple them is having a good connection with them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll start by saying that, you know, obviously our name, the name of our podcast is As We Go. And I think that's very appropriate with this thing, with this issue, because this is a very fluid issue. Like, um, I, I don't think I'll ever stop learning how to partner with parents. It is a journey. Um, I don't think I have it figured out. Um, so I'll just, I'll just say that from the jump. Um, however, um, you know, a couple of things that I think I've, been committing to is, um, you know, we did an anonymous parent survey um, of our, you know, uh, parents in our kids ministry. And um, man, you know, sometimes it is tough to, to see some responses, but it is so awesome because you're able to like, be like, you're able to contact parents and be like, Hey, I'd love to, you know, set up a phone call where we can talk about this, like, or, you know, let's grab lunch or whatever. And, um, I think that's been super cool. Um, another thing similar to what you you do actually for your Wednesday nights, we have a preteen Wednesday night ministry. And um, for that, what I like to do is we have this texting service where you can like set up like a um, like a group text, but like it's not like a normal group text. Like everyone gets an individual text. Um, and what I do is I just put, hey, you know, it was great to see your kids tonight. Um, here are two questions you can ask them on the way home. Um, and I've found that parents have really enjoyed getting those, which is pretty cool. Um, and then really a lot of it is just like, I've found that those moments where you're able to just start a conversation on a Sunday with a parent and you're able to be like, Hey, I just want you to know you're doing a great job with your kids. Super simple. You don't need to pay for that. You don't need to prep for that. But man, like when you do that, it really gives parents a, um, a, a, an in with you. Like they know, oh man, like this person sees me, you know? Um, 
and that's that's really a lot of the, the a lot of the thing is just making yourself available i've i've learned that you know um there there are times where you know i'm not doing anything fancy but just really just being a friend to a parent and they um when they come up on hard times it's like man you're going to be who they go to and um and you want or when you know there's an issue with their kid or um whatever like man you want to be that person that that's just providing resources um and so yeah like that's what i would say it's very fluid but you know um uh, finding those creative ways like you were saying like um every context is different from mine people don't read their emails um and so um you know the, it, in oklahoma it's just that's how it is um but with text they they see those so it's you know it's it's interesting how context really makes a difference as well um but yeah that's that's what i would say on that dude so good and you know as i was thinking about this too it's like that's my main method when it comes to emailing and um for me and i would even say like if i could go back and change it i would I would say, let's go to text messages because even now, like, I think they know, but it took me a while for parents to establish that, like that entire year was a fight and I still don't get very good responses at times. And there's times it's just like, wow, I'm shocked by how many responses I've gotten. But one of the other ways that I like to connect with parents, um, is actually, and this is kind of, uh, going out in, in next gen ministry is parents meetings. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's, uh, something maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Jeremiah, you can correct me, but I actually just had a parents meeting, you know, a week ago and we had half of our youth group represented within that, which I felt was a pretty good, um, pretty good actual number for that meeting itself. But one of the reasons I say there is too, is like, we can look at a parents meeting as like this opportunity to, oh, okay, here's, here's the year, here's what we're doing, here's things you need to know. And it's just very informational. But I have actually been one that just encourages, like I, I actually set some time to say, how are we doing as parents and give some instruction and give some encouragement to continue to fight the good fight of being a parent. As a parent, there's times where it is tough. Mm -hmm. And you're exhausted. And so the one thing I, I kind of try to keep in mind is do, do I want, I don't want to be a youth pastor that is beating on them. Instead, I want to come alongside them. I'm supposed to disciple their family, not uh, just give them a bunch of rules and say, here you go. And just seeing how you're going. So this, like for this last one, we talked about the importance of the dinner table and how it's in our culture going away and um and the you know the thing is it's like you know i could say well you need to do that every single day and the reality is i said you know i was just i think one of the points of connection you have to think about is being authentic with them in the midst of that i was like wednesday nights are so tough for our family for this <laughs> just being honest mm. and that's when youth ministries happen and i'm at the church early and we'd have to eat dinner at 3 50 in order to do that. And so it's, it's really tough. And I said, life has ebbs and flows. Um, you throw sports in the mix, you throw Wednesday night, man, that is just so tough to, to balance. Mm -hmm. And so in those meetings, I'm looking to encourage them 
in different ways of saying, hey, maybe you can't do it on this night or this night, but be intentional for that one night and the importance of a dinner table. And we can get into that, a whole nother discussion of yeah. that. And, and, you know, I think you're bringing some really important things to the forefront because you're, you're laying out the fact that like parents, they have, most parents have the heart. If they're going to church, they have the heart to raise their kids around Christ. Right. But, you know, and they have a heart for, you know, to battle that individualism to, you know, to eat at the dinner table, to do all that. But the reality is, is life is busy and life is hard and there's jobs and all of this stuff. And actually I was, I was reading a book recently and this it's actually, this book is called what most parents aren't telling you. Um, and dude, read this. It's so good. Um, and it's really a book of statistics. Um, and it was statistics, I think from this, I think they pulled them from 2021 because the book came out like in 2022. So anyway, um, but I'm just going to read you a couple of these statistics because I, I think it's really applicable. Um, so it says this, the value of faith is very strong for Christian parents. 94%, 94.3% of committed Christian parents say faith is important or extremely important. Um, those same parents rank fourth just behind mental health, uh, access to opportunities and character development, and within one percentage uh, point of healthy friendships and balanced nutrition, which is some other nutrition uh, statistics in the book. But, And then it goes into another thing. It says the value of church is less strong for uh, the value of church is less strong for Christian parents. So consistent connection to a faith community is an essential part of our family. Um, so that statement um, 63% says very true. 25.1 says moderately true. 10.7% is mildly true. And 1.2% says untrue. And then the last uh, statistic I'll read, it, the survey question, it says, how often do you and your family attend church or parish services? 61% says almost every week. 20.7% says at least twice a month. And 17.6% says at least once a month. So here's what I see in that. 94% say that their value of faith is super strong. But then we have 63% that says the value of church is less strong. And so what we have to recognize is first, like, empathy for parents, because there's an element where we want to we wanna bash them because of things like that. And be like, you need to come to church more and all that. Well, Dude, like life is busy. Life is busy. And that's a valid thing. Doesn't, you know, and so we have to, we have to disciple people with that in mind, understanding what they are battling against to make it to church. Right. Um, but then also we have to figure out, hey, are we making church something that's worth waking up five kids and taking them to? You know, and and you got to put yourself in the shoes of um a single mom, right? The single mom is waking up. They're doing all of this themselves just to get their kids to church, which I know some single moms who do that. They're heroes, absolute heroes. Um, but the reality is, is like we have to understand that it is awesome. You know, we encourage them to come to church consistently, all of that. But man, it is a cost. And um, we have to figure out how we can disciple people in a way that makes um, the community of faith so attractive that they can't think of not going. Right. And so, you know, do we reflect that anti-individualistic nature that um, people need? Do we as the church reflect that? 
Because if we don't reflect that, then we're just like the culture, right? Um, and so we have to think through these lenses of like, man, not bashing parents for these statistics, right? It's easy to do that because that makes our job a lot easier. It makes us look better. But in reality, man, we have to recognize the valid nature of, you know, the struggles. So anyway, sorry for the long rabbit trail, but I felt like, man, um, we have to recognize that, you know, um, parents are, are most parents, their heart is to raise their kids in the right way. But honestly, they need resources. They need our guidance, not our, not our just preaching at them. Yeah, that is so good. And then um, in a moment here, I think we're going to head to a break. But before I do that, just want to point out something that has been so valuable for me as I come alongside families. And I, and I say this, I want to make sure there's times that I'm still learning in this. I'm not perfect in this. Like there, we're still continuing to grow. But one of my my philosophies or my my thought processes, however you want to go about that, is um, that parents, I tell this parents, your children are your greatest disciples, but the church is there to help you equip them. Mm. And that's just one of the things they know that's saying, I've had parents reaching out say, Hey, I'd like a devotional from my family. Great. How can we help you with that? Absolutely. We, they need, they know that they can come to me and say, okay, how can we best uh, equip you so you can equip your children and, and your teens in uh to the start that discipleship pro- at home and i'm huge on discipleship in the home and just what that what that looks like and how the church can help on you in that so we the church really wants to equip you a healthy church really wants to equip parents to best thrive in their families as disciple makers because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know we're responsible for discipling uh Parents are disciple. I say where because I'm a parent, but parents are disciple uh, responsible for discipling their children. But the church is also responsible for helping them. Mm. And so that's just one of the things there that I wanted to bring up that I thought was very, very um, applicable with what you were saying there, Jeremiah. But, hey, we're going to take a break here and uh, give the listeners a little little breather and we'll, we'll be back here in just a moment. Let's do it. Welcome back to As You Go. And uh, on break, uh, you know, Jeremiah, I was really thinking about just the topic of parenting and connecting with parents and the value of it. But I wanted to bring out a, a point there, too, is is I find it interesting that you said 94% find their um, faith valuable to them, to their family. And then it was a 63 to 30% drop off, I heard. Mm-hmm. about finding the value of church. And you made this good point that I think needs me encouragement for pastors to hear this is, and you said it, you said it, it is, was, are we giving something worth coming to? Mm-hmm. And as the church, as we come alongside families, we can't just be winging it. And expecting families to be all on board. 
it creates and it, it it if I can say it this way, it it takes intentional intentional is that word that is um, often neglected at times. Intentional planning, intentional uh, structure for these families to actually benefit. And these are intentional. And I'm saying this needs to ha have the power of the Holy Spirit, but you need to place yourself in a place where you are intentionally planning out these things. And I think last time with things we didn't learn in ministry or in, sorry, in, uh, in school was the idea of planning and planning is helpful for parents. Let me, let me uh, say, this is a great way to establish yourself among parents is if you can give them a schedule so they are not finding out at the last minute. There's nothing more frustrating for a parent, in my opinion, is when one of their kids come up to you saying, hey, aren't we going to the youth event? And the parent has no idea about it. Mm -hmm. And that parent communication is so important and that planning is so important for parents that scheduling because it allows them act clear their schedule to come to what you're putting on if you're giving it to them two weeks i'm sorry it's too late i mean sometimes that works but nine times out of ten jeremiah you said it, we're busy we're busy with life mm -hmm. and so we need to really be intentional about planning ahead, giving parents that schedule. I have a parent that's frustrated with the school system right now that they're at because they won't post the year schedule until the year's already started. Hmm. And that's just unacceptable. And I bet there's ministries out there that are doing that. And it's hmm. frustrating because parents are trying to plan for vacation. They're trying to plan for uh, <laughs> just life in general, whether they've got a doctor's appointment, so on and so forth. And if we are just part of that process of not being planners, not being schedulers for parents, we're failing to come alongside them. Jeremiah, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, and I think I, I would just echo what you said um, for sure on that, on that end. Um, I would also say, and this, this has been a shift in mindset for me, um, I think oftentimes we can almost like, whether we admit it verbally or not, we can almost like judge parents for like, oh man, they're missing church again. They're on vacation again or whatever. Um, or, you know, like they're at doing this. Like, and, and, and obviously again, we want people to, we want to disciple people to prioritize church. Right. However, like, we should be cheering families on for spending time together, right? We should be cheering families on for putting each other first, even if it doesn't mean that they're coming to our event, right? Um, and, and I think it's very easy to, to almost just plan everything and plan things and expect them to just always come to us and to almost make it to where it's like any parent connection that they're making with their kids is very church-centric. It's like at the building <laughs> when in reality, it's like, that's not, I, I don't think that that's necessary. And I think it's, it's almost like, it's almost pushing the relatability that we can have away. Um, and, and we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of, um, of those things. Like we have to know that like, man, if we are going to, um, to really make a difference with parents. And if parent, if we want parents to trust and, um, 
and see us as people that, you know, truly care, then we have to make sure that we're not making it a situation where they're, where we are, you know, almost trying to compete for their attention. And, um, and I think that that's a thing. I, I really do. I, I think it's easy to almost want parents to join the busyness of church um, rather than to join the family of church. And joining the family of church means that you're cheering each other on when, hey, you're going on vacation. That's awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. No strings attached. Does that mean you can't serve in kids ministry? That's awesome. And I'll say that as a kids pastor, ah, like during the summers, it's like, it, it is tough to schedule, but you know what, man, I'd rather have that struggle than parents never doing those things with their kids. It's amazing. And I think since the pandemic, we've seen more of that. We've seen more intentionality of families with their, their kids. People are going on more vacations. And I'm going to be honest, this summer, there were times where I found myself like, uh, like, you know, what am I going to do? But at the same time, man, reminding myself how awesome it is that families are stopping and doing those things. It's mm. so good. It's such a good development. And we must, we need to encourage that. Um, you know, that's, that's important that those kinds of things are where like families become closer and where that discipleship happens. Cause again, if we truly believe the parent is the main discipler, disciple maker of their family, then man, we want these things to happen. Um, and it doesn't need to be sponsored by our church. Amen. Amen to what you said there. One, I'm going to give you a statistic here. So I was sitting in a class one time and I had a professor and he was, he had the opportunity of talking to, um, two, I think it was like social analysts and the, and the social analysts really were focusing on, um, kids that stayed in their faith after high school, because mm-hmm. it, that right. That's the real concern of the church right now is that young adult age. Um, they're no longer under the authority of their parents and they're finding out the freedoms they now have and what that and what does church look like in there? The statistic was or um, I guess I don't have the exact statistic, but the families, the children that stayed in their faith after college had the common denominator, the families that had that happen, had the common denominator as they did ministry together as a family and it didn't even need to be in the church. Mm. That was the interesting thing. They, mm. if you, there, many of them were at soup kitchens together. Yeah. Many of them had, uh, where we're running food pantries, whatever it was, Bible studies in their home, whatever it was. And the psychoanalyst said this, it's because they saw other faith in action and worthwhile it actually making an impact and as parents we have to think through that critically as are we doing something that's actually worthwhile is it are Mm -hmm. we doing stuff that is making an impact on others when someone receives a bowl of soup because they can't get food and your child picks up on that, that they're able to help out and mm. love on them. And then you take that spiritual element of saying, hey, go pray for them. Mm. That now puts all that teaching that you've done, that they've heard in church in the motion, and they see the gospel in action. And when we see the gospel in action, that's when families are transformed. That's good. That's really good, man. Um, Yeah. And, and I think like, 
and that's where I think our discipleship method has to shift is like less of come to this event and more of here's, here are the tools, right? Here are the values. You take them and you lead your family, you know? And, and obviously there's an element to where it's like, again, we're coming alongside them. We do um, reach their, like there's, you know, that's part of the church, right? However, the first area of discipleship has to start at home. And, um, you know, and so we have to, you know, help parents feel empowered. And that's another thing too, is like, we oftentimes can almost, you know, get a little bitter because we're like, man, I wish parents would just disciple their, well, are we equipping them? Mm. And are we making disciples as, you know, are we, are we discipling parents? You know, and, and and I think we have to ask those questions before we go and judge the parents. <laughs> and I think that that happens way too much. And, and, you know, we have to have that element of of grace. And I think like what we're talking about right now is really why, um, you know, this topic, honestly, I don't even know if it could fully. Now, I think it should be talked about in some way in college, but I, I I don't think it can fully be talked about in college because this is changing constantly. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would say in the past three years, it has changed drastically. Right. And the pandemic, mm. um, you know, I think in some ways for the good, there are some bad things I'm sure, but, but I think, I think it has definitely made a shift towards like parent families are starting to realize like there is more to life than, certain things. Now I, you also see the busyness, right? Like youth sports is just a, it's a killer sometimes as far as like, you know, when it comes to being able to like families, being able to consistently attend church and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I think it's a tough one. And I know, I don't know if it's the same way, you know, in your area, but in our area, you know, half of the stuff happens on Sundays. <laughs> so you're like, ah, um, well. And I'll just put it in there. I think it's, and then you can continue on here. No. I think right now sports is um, is the god of teens right now for a lot of teens and families because they will bow down their schedules to anything that deals with sports. Mm. And it will get in the way of, I'm not even saying church. I will say discipleship in the home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, we know it's going to get in, it's going to clash with church events. That's just, that's life. Mm. But it's starting to get back when it's 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. You haven't done anything with your children to encourage them spiritually. Um, you might even had a quiet car ride because they lost a game and no, no one's talking. And you're not having those opportunities um, to pour in and disciple your children. And that's why I think like we have to be careful with sports and what we, we say yes to because we will say no to other things yes and we don't want to say no to discipleship because that is our foremost and greatest call as parents that's good that's that's really good man um yeah no i I, and i think like it's a tough thing because it's like we have to you know there's an element where that's not it's not going away right like yeah um and so we have to understand man ways that we can um ways that we can approach this in a way that incorporates the these things like sports into their faith like hey how can you 
how can you prioritize God in the midst of sports and like mm-hmm. discipling that direction? Um, because again, it's like, it's, it's, it's not going away. And I mean, these things are all on Sundays. <laughs> so, um, and that also, you know, that also underscores the, you know, impact of, you know, discipling throughout the week, right? It's not just a Sunday type of thing. It's something that we do throughout the week. And, and so, no, this is, this is good. Should we, should we jump into with volunteers a little bit more? Let's maybe dive a little deeper into that. Yeah. I'm, I was just yeah. about to suggest that. Yep. Yeah. Um, with volunteers, you know, this in ministry, I think is one of the hardest things. Um, and I'm going to throw out a couple of thoughts here, Jeremiah, uh, yeah. or maybe just topics. And I'm going to say, jump in because I think, You've had, I think you've had the better grip on this with your position and what you do. And from what I've talked, I'm just like, man, you have the, you have a lot of volunteers underneath your name and coordinating that. Um, But one of the things is um, that comes up is I think the first concern for a lot of churches is how do I recruit volunteers? Mm -hmm. And then not only that, how do I recruit safe volunteers? Mm -hmm. And then going from recruiting to now, how do I train volunteers and uh, going from there? So Jeremiah, I just threw kind of like a process there to you. And uh, what, what do you have to say on that? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. Um, I, I think, first of all, like we said, as we go, um, I'm not, you know, neither of us are there on this. Like, and I don't think anyone really is ever it's a process. It takes time to learn. And there's a lot of, uh, it's always changing. And so, um, but what I will say is this, um, I think that retainment is the best recruitment. Um, what I mean by that is that when we create a culture that is, um, positive, when we create a culture where people are in places where they're using their gifts, um, that, you know, that makes a difference and people want to join that. Um, what people don't want to join is when people are only doing what their leader asks of them because they ask that of them. Um, they don't want to join a situation where they are just, um, you know, they don't feel like they can say no. They don't want to join a situation where they're not feeling like they're getting trained um, or that they're not getting clarity, whatever. Um, that's the big thing. Like we could we could have booths in the lobby all day, but if we don't recruit, if we don't retain um, we, we're not going to keep the volunteers that we get. Um, and, and that's the, that's the tough part. That's the tough part. It starts with building a culture that keeps people now outside of that. Um, I think, I think it really takes like a church wide, um, you know, value of the next gen, um, uh, to, to recruit volunteers. And really, I, I think, you know, one of the things too is, um, Oftentimes we say no for people <laughs> way too much. Um, and I, and I think we have to have the ability to call out gifts and people to be like, Hey, dude, you are really gifted at this. Um, you know, say no, no pressure, but you know what? Like I, you would do great in kids ministry. You should come serve <laughs> and, and just let them say, no, here's the thing. If you're not a jerk, then they'll probably feel comfortable saying no to you. Right. Um, so don't, don't feel bad asking those things. Don't feel bad saying like, Hey, you'd be great at this. I'd love to have you on our team. And the worst you could get is a no. And so I, I think oftentimes we kind of like almost overthink 
the process of recruiting, but it's really a lot of in, like direct asks. And then obviously sometimes booths work. We just did a booth that really worked and that was awesome, but sometimes they don't. And so you can't just rely on that. You have to build a culture that retains. And then outside of that, you also have to call out gifts and people. Um, and then another thing too, on the training end of things with safety, um, man, uh, that is your most, imp- really, it's the most important thing. Like you can't, you cannot overlook things. Um, we have a background check system, you know, that we run every volunteer on. I don't let anyone in our kids area to serve unless they have a background check. Um, the other thing is we do an interview and we, I have some safety screening questions that I ask that can be awkward, but are important to ask. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's also just, if you know your volunteers, (laughs) And you're working towards that. If you have, and, and for some, it's not just you that needs to know them. You know, this is part yeah. of delegation. Um, you have to, and for me, I, you know, our kids area kind of requires a lot of volunteers. So I have a lot of volunteers. And, um, and so I can't be the only one that just is connecting with them because if I'm the only one, I'm not going to do a job, a good job of that. And so I have people in each room that are essentially point people that, that know their volunteers. And so if we know our volunteers, if we, um, if there is relational equity built up, then we know when a red flag turns up when they're like, Oh, this person does that. And let's talk about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and that's, that's an important thing. We have to, we have to be very aware of um, the fact that man, most abusers don't appear on background checks. They don't have anything on background checks. And so we have to be able to see that. We have to be aware of that. And we have to be willing to, you know, to do what's necessary to, um, uh, we have to do what's necessary to, you know, um, to make it happen. And so, so I think um, that's, that's a few things. I'll, I'll stop there and let you jump in, Mark. Dude, so good. So good. When it comes to recruiting too, one of the things is, I'll say is recruit when your team is full. And what I mean by that is you're putting the idea of becoming a future next gen leader, adult leader in their ears now. So that when that person that steps back, for instance, they may move that happens and you've got to be prepared on how are you replacing? How are you? And when I say replacing adult leaders are not chess pieces. They're not uh, pawns to be thrown wherever. They're people that have decided to actually follow you. And that's scary. (laughs) And that is something you need to keep in mind. But always putting the whisper of the idea in someone that could potentially be a youth leader down the road. And when that time comes, they say yes. And so that continually recruiting, even when your team is full. And then I love the idea of that, that culture of retainment. One of the things I like to say in mine is, and, and you go and ask my adult leaders, they hear this phrase all the time. And I try to live it out the best I can. And it is, I don't want from you. I want for you. Mm, yeah. I don't want from you. I want yeah. for you. That's good when one. you want from someone, when you want from someone, you're using them as a chess pawn. Mm-hmm. You're using them as a tool. I, I want to um, just take a little story here. Is I had a, a 
a dear youth leader, a really good friends, even to this day, moved, moved to about 70 miles away. Um, he came back from a winter with me and we're driving in the car and he just kind of is sitting there really contemplating. I'm like, dude, are you okay? And he turns to me, says, this was the best retreat I've ever had. And I've been to him as a youth and it was mm -hmm. the best I've ever had as an adult leader. And that's when I realized that I wanted that for everyone on my team. Yeah. That opportunity to say, this was for me. Like I wanted it for them. And I'm not saying that they're taking the place. Like he was pouring into kids all weekend and he did such an amazing job that he's created friendships when he comes to visit our church with the teens they flock to him mm. they love him and so that's when i was i realized that i want that for every leader awesome. i want for them not not from them and that is so important in your culture of volunteers is to make that known and live it out which can be tough at times because there are times that you've got to have these difficult discussions because you want for them not from them but at the same time what they're doing right now isn't they they may be disobeying the rules you've set and then at that point it can seem like you just want from um from them but the, that's not the case you are wanting for them and so it's just a really um one of those important things that you're always recruiting no matter mm -hmm. if your teams are full or not and then creating this culture of retention, creating this culture that is for people to come in when people don't want to leave. For instance, that that adult leader, and I'm not doing my own horn or anything like this. I just it clicked. It clicked with me is he commuted for three months to be wow. an adult leader on a Wednesday night from a town 70 miles away because he didn't want to leave. Wow. And that's the environment you want your adult leaders to be in, because when you do that it's a lot easier to recruit. It's a lot easier for people to say yes, because you've created a culture that impacts them and who they're impacting. That's awesome, man. Dude, that's good. Yeah. Um, and, and, and dude, I think like wanting for them means like we are willing to sacrifice some convenience because it's convenient to ask and ask and ask and ask and, and, just use and use and use and use. And it's convenient also. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Every time I interview a new volunteer, I ask like, hey, what age group do you want to work with? <laughs> and usually their response is always like, oh, I'll help wherever. And I usually will go like, no, let's choose one. Let's choose something. And, you know, and here's the thing, like, and, and there's sometimes where I'll like throw out a few like names of places like, hey, like these are a few areas where we, you know, love for you to join, but like, this is up to you. Um, and I think part of that is like, it's so much easier to just be like, oh yeah, okay, then jump into this room. This is where we really need the most help without really even like exploring it further. Like, hey, where are your gifts? Gifts, you know? Because if the church is meant, if contributing to the church means you're using your spiritual gifts, which is the biblical role of contributing to the church, it's everyone using their spiritual gifts um, to you know, to grow the body closer together and to add to it. Um, and that's, a, I mean, that's the simple reality of what the church is meant for. Um, then we need to actually reflect that. Um, and, and obviously there are times where we need help and someone 
man, that's, there are people that have servant hearts. They're willing to jump into areas that they don't normally help in. It's honestly part of it. It's just the reality that's going to happen. But, but from a majority standpoint, we need to make sure that we're helping people get plugged in where they thrive. Another thing too, is like pastor your volunteers. Like, you know, if you're a pastor, you're not just pastoring kids or you're not just pastoring youth. You're not just pastoring parents. You're pastoring your volunteers and you're not just alongside them. You're pastoring them. And so do that, encourage them, pray for them, you know, um, you know, hug them when they lose somebody like, you know, like those things that you would do for anybody else do for them. Um, and again, I'll just, I'll repeat this because I think it bears repeated, um, repeating. Um, when you look at, you know, just, church scandals over the last like years and years and years. I'm sure you heard rise and fall of Mars Hill, right? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, there is a common theme and it, it is that volunteers, meaning unpaid people who serve in church, get burned, get mm. overworked, get treated like, like trash. I'm just going to say that they get treated like trash. And I'm just going to, you know, I'll, I'll get a little strong here. That is so anti the church of Christ mm. that, that Christ set out to start the church built on, you know, the rock, right? That's so anti that. Um, and, and, and if we are going to settle for that, then we've compromised completely what we were built on. And, um, and none, nobody really sets out to do that. Nobody sets out to do that. But what happens is we end up valuing our own ministry ambition over the, the um, well-being of people. Um, and so what does it look like to recognize our limits? What does it look like to recognize mm. when, hey, I'd love to have this program. I'd love ha- to have this event. But, man, I don't have the volunteers. And maybe that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's okay. And maybe we're not supposed to just do everything. And maybe doing everything comes at a cost of people's souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, okay. and we're going to be doing an episode about deconstruction soon. But, um, you know, when you look at deconstruction, let's be honest, a lot of it has to do with that. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of former, very involved church volunteers. And so this is why this is important. It's why it matters. We have to value our volunteers. We have to thank them. And that's another thing. Celebrate them be like overthinkers. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think back to this and I'll, I'll finish in a second. I promise. Um, You're good. Uh, my, um, my wife had a pretty intense health episode in March. Um, she was in the ICU briefly and she's doing great now, but, um, but it was like a really intense situation. And so when that happened, obviously I didn't expect it. And, um, I had volunteers that just, man stepped up because I had to miss a Sunday and, you know, had no ability to really plan. They just stepped up, stepped in and just, man. And it was just such a, it was such a special thing. First of all, because there was like a love there that was like, I felt so cared for from the body of Christ. Um, And, and so whenever I got back, First thing I did was honestly just send a bunch of texts like, hey, Mm. I just need you to know, like, thank you so much. You were there on like, you know, one of the worst days for me. And and it was weird for me because it's like I've had moments where I've been 
the pastor in somebody's worst day, worst day, but these people, they, you know, on my own worst day stepped in. And, and so for me, I realized, man, I need to up the thank you to like two levels up. And it's the same thing. Like, for example, when we're asking people to serve on Easter or Christmas Eve, it's usually extra stuff. So say, thank you. Add in the thank you because man, yeah. it makes a difference. Um, when we don't do that, again, people aren't doing it for us. They shouldn't be anyway. They're doing it for God. But the reality is, is it matters when we say thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Dude, so good. Um, volunteer appreciation is something that's often missed. And one of the things, if you're not a thank you card writer, become a thank you card mm-hmm. writer. Because mm-hmm. th- that is a handwritten note. Texts are great. Like, you need to do that, too. But there's times where you just need to sit down and put a hand thank you note and it doesn't have to be long, but saying, man, thank you. There's been times that's encouraged me as an adult leader when I wasn't a uh, full-time pastor, but mm-hmm. um, be one that writes thank yous because, and it, it can be tedious. It can see like, well, this isn't, but I have people come up to me. You don't need to do that, but I really appreciate that. And it lets you know that you see them shining you see them in what they're doing for the Lord and you're appreciative of their heart. And guess what? Um, there's a phrase. I don't know if it always works, but it is something that I use with teens. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Yeah. And it's not, it's not something that I'm going to say, Oh, just start giving a bunch of money to people. So they do it again. No, you had to take that genuine time to give a thank you. And Hey, if you throw in a little ice cream gift card, they're not going to, they're not going to mind that as well. And so volunteer appreciation. Good. So good, dude. Um, one of the things too, when I was thinking about volunteers is if we truly want for them and not from them, we need to provide training and training is one of these things that it can be done really good or it can be terrible. Mm-hmm. And you have to, one of the things I want to push out there is the training doesn't necessarily need to be all from you. There may be actually an adult leader within your team that has a better better handle on how to um, lead small groups, on how to whatever that looks like, whatever that how to is and giving them empowerment. Because then when you say, hey, you've got a better grip on this than I do, you're actually encouraging them. You're actually saying you're doing great. We need to learn from what you are doing and empowers these adult leaders, these volunteers to say, yeah, you know, I've got a grip on this and it's not a pride thing. It's wow. I didn't realize how good I was at this or, you know, that I'm making an impact and it's encouraging to keep doing what they're doing and that they're a model for others in that, especially new people that are coming in. Um, just a, one of the things I'm doing is we're actually going to a youth adult training um, in about a month from where we're at. We're in August right now, about a month from now. And that is solely to pour into my adult leaders for training. Mm-hmm. Not, not for, hey, I think you're doing bad. It's like, hey, I'm being there and we're going to go out to eat afterwards. We're going to fellowship. And then we're going to talk about these things. What actually, because here's the thing too. Not all training that you go through will be applicable for your youth context, your next gen context. Um, 
there's there's stuff out there by like, like YM's uh, YM three sixty download youth ministries that hey has a lot of good stuff, but aren't applicable to where you're serving and your how whether how big it is. And so weeding through those things together and saying hey when you when you actually throw out ideas to your team, you're empowering them to say they have a part of the decision making process. That's good. Which is. Super good, super good. So and, and, I know I've I, talked a lot yeah. there. No, no, that's dude, that's awesome. Um, another thing too, something I've been kind of messing with lately, especially is, you know, training doesn't always have to be in person. Like, you know, um, I don't know about you, but meetings have been tougher to set up since COVID. I think people are just less game to like just go to every meeting, and so, um, you know, finding good content that's helpful for, for leaders to just send out. So like we have this little thing called a life act that helps when, you know, a kid is choking. And so what I did was I just found like a video that's a tutorial on how to use it and just posted it to our Facebook group for volunteers or emailed it out. And then I had another one. It was about meeting the parents, like a process of meeting the parents and how to walk through that. Um, and so I just sent that out. And what was really cool is I actually like got a, you know, some good reception from it. I was like, okay, People are reading this. People are watching this. And so I think like finding those those things that work for your community, it's, it's going to be different depending on your community. But um, finding those things, because it doesn't have to always be a meeting. Um, and, you know, and I think that that actually removes some pressure because the reality is, is like it is easy to over meeting. This is like, oh, you know, to overdo it and end up booking a whole week. You know, um, and you can you can do that sometimes. I had one of those weeks recently, but you can't do it every week. And so finding those ways where you can kind of train from afar as well. Um, and that's not the only training you need to do. Obviously, there's more than that. But like, um, but, but yeah, making sure that, you know, it's not just in person. You're sending stuff out. Um, another thing is just feedback, being open. And yeah. when you say that you will receive feedback, actually receive it. Don't argue it just listen. Um, and that is hard. I've got, you know, in my interviews, whenever I interview a volunteer, I'll always, I have a question that's like, Hey, um, how are you at following policies when you don't agree with them? Because I just kind of, it's like a helpful kind of test of like, or, you know, where somebody's heart is to be honest. But mm-hmm. what I always include in that question is, Hey, in city kids or, you know, in our kids ministry, um, you are heard. Um, mm. And, you know, I want you to know if there's ever something that concerns you, you have an idea for a change, no matter how big it is, I want to know. Um, because, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm fallible. <laughs> um, and that, you know, which mm. means like I have all of the room in the world to make mistakes. And I also have a very limited mindset. I have teachers on my team. And those people deserve a voice, right? I have parents on my team. And some of the best changes we've ever made in our kids' ministry have been from those volunteers. And if Amen. we don't, Amen. yeah, and if we're defensive every time we hear ideas or if we take it personally, if we feel like it's a hit on us, then we are removing the ownership that that volunteer is trying to take of, of what they're doing. And um, And talk about something that's not going to retain volunteers it is a situation where you're trying to walk around on eggshells and around an insecure leader. Um, and so we have to make sure that we're 
people that are doing that. And then another thing too, is again, don't be the only guy, meaning don't be mm. the only, um, you know, real leader of the team, share the responsibility, delegate. You can be the final say person, whatever, but like, don't just make yourself as this final authority on everything. Try to mm. give authority away. Um, it's Craig Rochelle. He says, he says, don't just leaders don't give tasks. They delegate authority. And it's so important. Delegate authority. Don't just give away tasks. Don't just say help. Yeah, this is easy to give away. I'm going to do that. No, like actually like delegate authority to people. So that's kind of what, where I would, I would, you know, stand on it. Mark, I don't know if you had anything else at all or. You know, I think, you know, this has been a really good conversation. And I actually, uh, as you were doing that, you just sparked an idea that I had to put down um, on there. <laughs> but um, one of the things too, and I, Jeremiah, I don't know what you do for this, um, but for me, I actually set, so I, I meet monthly with my adult leaders because I think it's good to be on par of uh, of what's happening in knowing that context of how often you can meet and actually, one of the things is that I I will actually uh, I will substitute if I have a training event, I'll substitute that for that meeting because I have to ask them to be there two times outside of a Wednesday night and outside of a youth event that could be happening that month. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm conscious of their schedules. And I'm I like for me right now, I have a year plan for when we'll be meeting they get that so they can make, either make time or they can say, Hey, I can't be at that one. And it also allows you if no one can be on that to switch that date. And so that's one of the things for us. It's the first Sunday of every month, right after services. Um, sometimes we'll get food. Sometimes we won't. But one of the things I, uh, um, I want to put out there too, is that I'll actually say, Hey, let's get together in someone's home as as volunteers as as youth leaders and we're not going to talk about youth group we're going to come and we're going to get to know each other we're going to play games that make us feel uncomfortable and laugh and we're going to enjoy some good food and fellowship and when your team understands that they are the family of Christ working together for his good that culture is fun to be a part of. That's good, and, bro. And that's one thing I want to encourage you is that if if your philosophy, if your idea is that you want for them, then you want for them outside of youth ministry too. And so how do you do that? And by the way, if you know your, uh, your volunteers are going through a tough time, you need to pull them aside saying, hey, you may not need to be here. You've got stuff going on on home that you actually need to be at i know that you're a faithful server but i want for you mm. and this isn't for your family if you're not with them at this time and so and that like i said it takes sacrifice like you're going to be down a youth leader but guess what they're going to remember that and they're going to say uh, you know what he asked me to be at this event i have nothing going on i could say no but i want to say yes and it, you know sorry go ahead no uh, that was perfect time Go ahead. Um, and I'll just, you know, speak just as a kid's pastor, speak to the kids, pastors, maybe listening or, you know, um, children's leaders, whatever. Um, I, I think one of the tough parts and just speaking as a kid's pastor is like, there is that balance of like feeling like, oh man, I want to 
be for that person. I want to do that, but I got a spot to fill for Sunday. And with kids, it's like, man, like there's a safety element to that. Like you have to have Pete, you know? And, um, and so what I would tell, what I would say to anyone listening who's in kids ministry is this, um, there have been a lot of times where I have not known how to fill the spot and somehow it works. Somehow it works. And somehow somebody steps in. Mm. Um, there's an element of trust that we have to have. Yeah. Um, there's a faith element to this. Um, and then there's also an element to where we recognize that the right thing is the right thing, no matter what it costs. Right. Mm. Um, that's, that's integrity. The right yeah. thing is the right thing, no matter what it costs. And, and that's tough sometimes because I think it sometimes feels anti our um, needs, but that's part of the point. Um, are we willing to do the right thing as leaders? Are we willing to do the hard thing and care for people in that way? Um, but you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, and so we have to, we have to be willing to do that. And again, man, there are always people willing to step in, in those emergency situations because man, the, the body of the Christ, the body of Christ comes together around people. And they mm-hmm. do. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my own life this year. I've seen it in, you know, in other, in other situations. And so just, I, I would encourage you, um, those who are listening, just um, develop, learn to develop and practice a faith that is, um, you know, is not just reliant on you knowing what's going to happen. That's faith, mm. you know, and, and that's a big part of this. I mean, um, we can talk about strategy all we want, but it starts, it starts internally. It starts with you. Are you willing to let go of that illusion of control that you feel? Mm. Um, you know, because if we're actually doing this for God, if it's more than just event planning, then that's what it is. It's spiritual leadership. Um, and so develop that trust, cultivate that trust, practice that self-care that we talked about in the last episode. And, um, you know, and, and begin to understand that, man, you're not in control of your ministry. Things happen. But again, the right thing is the right thing, no matter what it costs. Dude, and what you said there is so good, too. And, you know, there's there's times you need to be, I think, as a leader, too. And maybe I just assume this. You also need to be intentional or wise, wise in how you if you're going to approach a leader, it might be they go through that night and then say, hey, next time, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be with your family. It might not be in the middle of the night or at the beginning of the night. Um, there's times you just need to have wisdom with that mm-hmm. and not setting yourself up for failure, too, because there is an aspect that they've said yes to serve and you want to honor that. But then it's pulling them aside and saying, hey, you know, you're here tonight. Great. But next week. And then that gives you a hole to find someone to fill that spot mm-hmm. and yeah. just being intentional. Also with that being said, I love that. It's not just event planning. Like as pastors, it can feel like that <laughs> at times, but it's more and you're doing mm-hmm. it for the glory of God. And so that was, that was just a, yeah. a good, good piece of advice that you gave there, Jeremiah. And I appreciate that, you know, 
do you have anything else you want to share about about volunteers um i would say just one last like more of a statement mm-hmm. is yeah um volunteers are under us to steward meaning mm-hmm. we steward our volunteers and what that means it's similar to stewarding our money um yeah we have to be responsible with stewarding them as people um yeah. and and so i think i think just thinking through that lens more rather than just these mm-hmm. people that we plug into spots um and I, and i think if we thought as a the body of Christ, capital C church, if we thought about that more, um, I don't know that we would be facing some of the crises that we're facing. Dude, that, that is so good. And one of the things I'll say, and then we'll probably wrap up here just yeah. for, uh, they've been listening for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is as a leader, it's been talked about, about giving control to your volunteers, like not being the one that has to be in control. That is harder, in my opinion, to do in person than it is just talking about it, like to put that in. Uh, recently, I had a, one of our faithful volunteers. He's been an adult leader for 20 years in youth ministry. He is fantastic. Love him. And we were going through a boys camping trip and that we were going to go out. And the pastor in me, the the leader in me wants to like be like, okay, this is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should do. Did I tell you this is what I think you should do? <laughs> and it took, I had to take a step back and say, he's leading this. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm here to support him in that. And mm-hmm. so how, and that was hard for me though. Like I was like, ah, oh, and in the moment I actually just had to be quiet and listen. And that's maybe a, um, one of the proverbs that God really puts on my heart is even a foolish man seems wise when he shuts his mouth. And I have to be, okay, I just need to shut my mouth right now and let him lead because I'm going to look like foolish saying, hey, can you lead this? And then I end up leading it. Mm, that's good, bro. Um, man, <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, there's a character element to that too, right? Like, I mean, it's always tempting to be the star of the show, you know, and, and we have to allow ourselves to create heroes, not be the hero. You know, we're hero makers, not, not just the hero. It feels good to be the one that saves everything. Right. But it feels better when people are, are equipped. Um, and also too, in this last thing I'll say, um, the, our volunteers, they're not just, they're people and they have jobs outside of, coming to church and volunteering, right? They have jobs. And we oftentimes forget that. Like, what are they doing professionally? How can we use, like, how can we help them use their gifts, like their tangible gifts in the church, right? I think we kind of forget that, like vocational, um, kind of that that way that we can blend people's vocations with the church. I think I think we 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 probably need to talk about that in another episode, but just throwing that out there, I think we need to pay more attention to that. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think you're good there. Well, hey, thanks for listening to As You Go podcast. And don't forget to leave a review and a comment. Tell us what you think. Um, and we want honesty. If uh, if you can leave an honest comment or you can leave an, uh, a rating, that leads us to just see what works better and uh, what we need to work on. And so thank you for listening. 
Thank you so much. And Jeremiah, I'll catch you next time. All right. Talk to you later, man.